the fire. Welcome to Through the Fire, cutting through the passions, clearing the smoke of the cultural confusions of the world today. Talking God's love and God's solutions from a biblical Christian worldview. And now, here's your host, Marie and Gregory Seltz. Yes, we are. Yes, we are both we are. here, aren't we? I yes, think we so. are both here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just you caught me in the middle of a good laugh. Anyway, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about you, baby girl? I'm doing good. I mean, getting ready for Thanksgiving is yes. always, you know, it's a little bit of stress and and yeah, also. Yeah, but you know, I you you make the house. This woman at this time of year, she she goes through. She dresses the house up. I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> the oranges and the you know the 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 things that we bring inside. It's like walking into nature's wonderland. Oh, and, thank uh, so you. The I like that. Cornucopia of love. Oh, the cornucopia <laughs> of love. Is that a good thing? <laughs> just came to my mind. <laughs> yeah, but I do love how good. you've done that for our house because, you know, I've always been a bit of a minimalist. I think most guys are. We just like, you know, the TV to be about 85 inches and everything else <laughs> needs to just be in its proper place. Right. Stacks. <laughs> just so it looks organized. <laughs> but I, I do appreciate you've always brought, uh, you've, you've brought a little bit of that flavor to life. So I, this is a fun time of year for us. Well, yeah, it is. It is. It's Although a- it's a lot of work because you're always, you know, it takes you like three days to get the house you know, at least exactly the way you want it to right. be. Right, the, the house, the food, getting well, everything ready. Do you remember that German restaurant in New York? Remember mm-hmm. that? Oh, mm-hmm. we had this place in New York where we lived at twenty first and third, third in, in Manhattan, and right around the corner was this German restaurant, and they mm-hmm. used to dress it up for the seasons mm-hmm. of the year. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking into that restaurant at Thanksgiving time, and it looked like it was on the oranges. It, it was like it was on and the fire reds and, and the reds. Gold. It was so. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think the new owner, I don't think he does it as much as his dad did. He tries. He tries. Yeah, he tries. And I don't think it's in the same family anymore, just to make a correction. Oh, you think there. so? No, it's it's a, a completely different yeah, family. Yeah, we, we didn't get back there. It's been a little we, while. Well, we were there last year for Christmas. Remember, we took our friends. Was it a year ago? I thought it was, it was about, two. I don't think so. Maybe okay. it was, but But I, I loved know. what he did. Well, that's what she does to our house. Oh, I just thank you. you guys know that. <laughs> so today, just so you know, I would like to talk about Thanksgiving and thankful living. Okay. Or like you like to say, thanks living. Thanks living. I, I want to talk about you know how it may look have looked differently in the past mm-hmm. and different uh, perspectives and different attitudes and mm-hmm. and generations and how it is today. Yeah, when you when you first mentioned this to me, all I could think about was my grandparents. I mean, and, oh, and, you know, and just the joy that they had and and holidays like Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter. I mean, that's. You, you could see that that's what their life revolved around those holidays. Mm-hmm. I mean, no matter what was going on in their life, it always focused back on those kinds of things. And they just lived a thankful life. They did. And, you know, it's interesting that you brought them up because I was not fortunate enough to have grandparents like you were. You know, my mine had passed. Um, but I did get to um, be very close with my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And she was I a very— her. Thank you. I love Nini. Yes. She's, I, I credit her for anything good that I am today, really. Well, you know, that's one of the reasons I married you. You know that. <laughs> I saw, I man, no, she was a, that woman was a powerful woman of faith. And all I kept thinking of is, and this woman I'm marrying, who I married above my station, for those of you who oh. don't know what we look like. Um, <laughs> you know, I, all I could think about is I saw her the faith. I saw the faith in you that was in your grandmother. And mm-hmm. I thought, wow, what a combination. Oh, well, thank you. But she was special. Yeah, she was very special. But what I wanted to say and to share is that 
because um, I don't know that you and I have ever really talked about this, but, Uh-oh. you know, well, no, because this is important. <laughs> you know, anyone that knows me um, knows I had a kind of a, 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 a my my life would make a great uh, movie, one of those uh, what do you, Hallmark movies or something, you know, <laughs> because it's it, it has so much drama in it. Okay. And <laughs> but, I didn't know where you were going with that. <laughs> well, listen, but here's the thing. So my grandmother was always there. She was the one steady constant mm-hmm. in all of my life and a great woman of faith and also uh, a very courageous woman. Yes, you were. know, she was Hispanic. I'm a Hispanic woman. And she, uh, you know, was someone who stepped outside of what was considered the norm or expected of her. She went on to get her, you know, graduate degrees in university. But she lived a life for other people, for her mm-hmm. family. And she was, she lived very meagerly. Now, mm-hmm. she was a person of the Depression. And so she, you know, grew up uh, during that time. So she learned how to be very frugal. And your grandparents, you know, I got to know them after we married. Right. And they were so important in my life. Um, mm-hmm. And they were also very meager. Yeah, uh, they never had a very lot of frugal. stuff. No, but they were not, um, you know, sometimes people think if you are a person who's frugal, that makes you a person that is, you know, kind Unhappy. of tight. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you you don't give. And they were the most giving people. And My we, grandmother was the most, and your grandparents were the most giving individuals. And when they were at our house, our grandparents uh, would come and stay with us for a couple of months sometimes. You know, well, and we were we blessed ne- And we that. never, you never felt like they were actually there in the sense that, like, because it was uncomfortable. It was always, wow, they're here and it's just they're part of the family. But the joy they had, the laughter that we used to have, the joy that we used to have with all that. And like you said meagerness didn't mean anything to their level of thankfulness or to their level of joy. In fact, it seemed like the less that they had, it the seemed more the more gave. joy. Yeah, the more they gave and the more joyous. Oh, you know, you just brought that up. It just popped into my head. America, people that have done studies on this, Americans give more money mm-hmm. than any other culture in the world. I'm not talking about taxes now because no. that's money that's Charity. confiscated. Charity. And generally, the people that give the most are the ones who don't really have a whole lot of money. Exactly. And it's just like... Because we realize that giving is the is kind of part of what it means to live thankfully. That's right. For the sake of others. But anyway, back to them. Yeah, they, they had a sense of that, didn't they? They really, really did. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have to say, you know, I coming into when we you and I first got married, I remember people saying to me, um, I, you know, you're never going to have a whole lot of material objects. And I came from, you know, a life of, of kind of, I would say, um, middle class. And then later on in life, I met my maternal grandfather, and he was a self-made millionaire, had a lot of money. And so I was introduced into that world. And I went to a school where there were definitely, it was a wealthy school, they called it the Gucci School. And San Antonio. In San Antonio, mm-hmm. Texas. And so, you know, I, I, I was around a lot of materialism. Stuff. Yeah. And so when you and I got married and I was very young, people said, you're not, you're, you know, how are you going to live? You're not going to know how to you're live that way. <laughs> you're going to be with You're going to be with a pastor. He's <laughs> never going to be able to make a lot of money. Right. And the thing of it was is that, you know, there's different kinds of wealth, right? Sure. And so there's materialism. And then there's there's other things that are intrinsic and then that you cannot put a dollar amount on. And I wanted those other things. And mm-hmm. but God has blessed us materially, I have to say, beyond what I would have ever imagined. But having your grandparents in the home, which I was very blessed to have, and just seeing how they had so much joy and they just seemed so wealthy. And Sorry. they just seemed like they had so much because of their attitudes and their their bubbliness and their stories and and they're just 
you know, they poured out everything onto other people that was good. And and know? I think we got it. We're, so we're, I think we're facing a question right now that uh, there's kind of a myth out there that if you have a lot of stuff, you're going to be really happy. Right. Uh, and if you don't have a lot of stuff, you're going to be really miserable. And the reality is you can be a person who doesn't have a lot of things and be full of joy and, and full of thankfulness. And you can be a person who's got everything known to man and be miserable. Exactly. So what do you think that your your grandparents had and my grandmother had and well, people I, of that generation maybe? Well, I think, you know, and I think they gave it to us. So mm-hmm. I think there's a sense where my grandparents, you know, it was their faith relationship with God. They really believed in this God who loved them with an uh, everlasting love in, in the name of Jesus Christ, the work that Christ did for us. And church was central to mm-hmm. everything they were and are. And everything else, whether it was work or leisure, everything else still pointed towards that, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's what focused them. I mean, my grandfather had no greater joy than to, to sing, you know, uh, on Christmas Eve, to sing one of the O Holy Night yes. or something like that. And and my grandmother had no greater joy than to entertain family because family was, you know, we would go to church and then we'd go to grandma's house after yes. church. And that I'm sure that was a lot of hassle to have, you know, all the folks all the, you know, kids. All <laughs> the time, you know, all that stuff. And you, But it didn't matter because it was all focused on that reflection of, of being in faith and then, you know, being with your family. And I think once you start there, mm-hmm. then everything else kind of cascades out properly. But mm-hmm. if you if you got that center... Mm-hmm. I think, and that's where my grandparents had taught both of us. I think your grandmother taught the same thing, that her faith was central to who she was. Mm-hmm. And then that, and not just faith in general, but faith in the God who actually loved her with an everlasting love. Mm-hmm. Um, then that dynamic flows out. I think that's that. what you just said is probably what was most important to me with them is that my grandmother would always send me, uh, you know, prayers and she'd underline them and she would say, you know, this is especially for you, Marie. Mm-hmm. And... You know, your your grandparents um, were always sharing, mm-hmm. you know, and they were always, always talking about faith in God and about how they would come out of impossible situations. And right. some of them were really funny. Some of the stories they had, oh, yeah. they should have been killed or hurt or something, but God just protected them. Exactly. You know, it was just amazing to me. They have great stories of faith that they passed on to us. And I, I remember just, oh, I was so young and impressionable and so needy at the time. I would just soak up every single thing that they would say, you know? You know, I think what, what did, what they had, and this is just a personal testimony, the difference between what they had and us carrying it forward as a family uh, we obviously did that, but when you're a pastor, it's a little bit different because then you you actually are, uh, you know, you're at work at the time when you used to be with your family. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's where it changed for us a little bit because we got disconnected because now my job was to actually be the one who was leading people in worship on Christmas or be the one. And so we didn't get a chance to go home as much. Mm-hmm. We didn't get a chance to go home and, and soak up more of those things. They had to come to us mm-hmm. even to do that. So the dynamic of, of actually... Um, you know, having to recreate it just for ourselves going forward because now I was the pastor of a church. That was a little bit tough going forward, but we had that, we were already rooted in our families who had given us that sense that faith was the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And so it was a beautiful thing. And I think for them, I I mean, I'm I'm supposing for them because they had, uh, back then, you have to think the families were a lot larger than they are today. Yes. And especially growing up and having to, you know, spread just very limited wealth, right? Financial wealth Mm -hmm. and be limited in the things that you could acquire. If you focused on that, you would be miserable. And and marketing was a lot different then. So going in from what they had 
of yesteryear and what they didn't have to how did we get to yeah, where we, we are today. Here, yeah. You know, you look at the marketing of today and now today we're, we're constantly being focused on how to attain something right. on the things we don't have, right? right. So we're, uh, happiness is in getting to those things. If we just have the best makeup, we will look like the, the celebrity that is representing the concept of perfect beauty right now. We'll have that cool car. We'll have that cool chick. Right. We'll have this. We'll have, you know, it's all about... Uh, consumer attainment. Yeah, and, and so they're already marketing to what you don't have. That's right. And, and so, again, the question is, well, what do you do with that if it's a constant thing? I mean, if you're constantly being marketed to what you do not have, uh, what what's going to happen? What kind of life comes out of that, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and so on top of that, you know, where are you looking for satisfaction? Where are you looking for purpose? Where are you looking for any of those things? If if attainment and making sure that I have the latest and the greatest is where you're going to go, um, you're, you're going to be at war with this concept of thankful living. You're mm-hmm. just you're going to be. At, it's not so much that you you won't be thankful. You're going to be at war mm-hmm. with this this notion that I should be thankful. Yeah. Um, well, you can't even see that because you're unfafilled, right? Mm-hmm. You're unfulfilled. You feel you know that there's something that's missing in your life. And that who's you're not to perfect. blame for who's to blame for what you don't have? Then? That's right. And then it goes to the next level of that. Well, obviously it's not me because I should have whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, then who's to blame? And then you start cascading that out. And you know, there's a lot of people, and you know, a lot of people out there today they blame God for what they don't have. Mm-hmm. You know, as if, if as if He's kind of the uh, the Santa Claus who's supposed to get my letter and make sure it's under the tree. Mm-hmm. kind of thing. And and so again, you know, if if that's how you kind of f- reorient your life, I can see why there can be people who have a lot of stuff and are miserable. That too, but also if the people that don't have, you know, mm-hmm. we look at what other people have, especially those that are near us and we can become jealous and envious and so Again, that just, you know, spews out negativity and, and, you know, in our relationship with with them and then with ourselves for not being able to get what they've accomplished and or obtained. And so our view, our whole view and outlook of life is mm-hmm. is skewed, right, towards a negative view. Well, and then there are people, I think, who are reacting to our, our uh, materialism by becoming minimalists. No. You know, oh, so, yes. So we got that. We have friends who are minimalists out mm-hmm. there, too. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're you're kind of uh, judged if you don't become a minimalist Right. Then you're just ju- exactly. Well, you have all this stuff. Why don't you do this? See, I guess what we need to go with this, and I, this is where I've struggled with what, what what becomes the source of thankfulness. It has nothing to do with what you have. Mm-hmm. That's the key. So mm-hmm. you could you, you could be whipsawing back and forth to extravagance and minimalists, and you're missing the real source of thankfulness. And so, again, it's not even about making sure you don't have stuff. So we're not trying to say, you know, you should be poor and you should have nothing. We're not trying to say you shouldn't strive for things. But it's what do those things mean? And you shouldn't feel guilty because you have wonderful things. I mean, it's, again, the the variables and the indicators that you are using to indicate what your quality of life is, right, to rate your quality of life. And what's the point of it? Yeah. And and that's what we go back to our grandparents because their point was it really didn't matter what they had or didn't have. Mm-hmm. It really didn't. I mean, if, if they would have had a lot of stuff, they would have been the same people. They wouldn't, exactly. have, they wouldn't have thought about having a lot of stuff. They would have just had it mm-hmm. and then said, well, what are we going to do with this stuff? Because mm-hmm. we've got to put it to work because mm-hmm. God gave it to us. Well, we don't have a lot of stuff. Okay, we don't think about that. We're, we've got to go to work with, with living our life, thankfully, you know, for the people that God has given us. That, that's mm-hmm. how they thought. And I think it was rooted in the fact that they didn't think about their situation. 
Um, you know, there's a difference between joy and happiness, for instance. Oh, there is. You know, you happiness can, is. Yes. Go ahead. Well, you know what I mean. Well, exactly. You can have joy even whenever you are grieving. Right. You, and that there's a huge difference between the two. Right. You know what? I wanted to to finish something that you a thought that you were going with. I think I might have interrupted you, so I apologize for that. When you were talking about, you know, your, your I never apologize. I know you just run over me. But here's the thing. But thank you, dear. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. No, but really, when you were talking about, you know, the sharing and, and, and it didn't matter what they had or didn't have, right. that's what, what I wanted to say. You know, sometimes it doesn't matter. Like, you actually can have more joy and fulfillment. Even if you have meager things, mm-hmm. you, you would share it. My father had a, an elder sister who raised him. And at the end of her life, um, they grew up very poor, by the way, very, right. very poor. She right. w- raised all of the children. Uh, she was 12 years old when, when her mother died. And um, she promised her mother she would take care of the kids. And my, my father was the baby of the family. Mm-hmm. So I was very privileged and blessed at the end of, of her life to be able to help take care of her. And um, she would uh, every day be made a sandwich to eat. And she would save half of her sandwich for her sister. She didn't realize her sister had already passed. Wow. Yeah, she would put a little half of the sandwich aside and she would say, you know, this is for B. Um, and it just killed me because uh, every day that little sandwich would be put aside. And she was as thin as a rail, and she could have used every bit of that sandwich. But she was always looking to bless someone in her family with that extra little piece. And, you know, Viktor Frankl, who was a you know, survivor of the Holocaust, right. he talked about the Christians sharing their pieces of bread, even when they were starving, with the people around them. Right. So, you know, th- there's always a way that we can be thankful for even the meager things that, uh, that we have in our life. There are blessings all around us. We just need to acknowledge them and look for them. Yeah, and I, I guess what we're saying with all this is, you know, we're not saying that you can't be struggling. Like, if oh, you don't no. have enough to take care of your family and no. stuff like that, of course— We've all we've all struggled that, um, and my, like I said, yes, my grandparents struggled. Are they they came through the depression, all those different things. In fact, my grandmother, I used to remember getting into arguments with her because she would always say, "Gregory, you got to drink your milk," mm-hmm. and she poured this milk out, and it was milk that looked gray. I said, "Grandma," because I loved you know you're a young boy, you love whole milk, you want to drink whole milk, and she would she would actually cut that. It was skim milk that she was mixing with powdered milk, yes. you know. And I finally say to her, "Grandma, we don't have to drink that anymore." But in her mind. We're going to always drink this so that we're ready just in case, you yeah. know, and there's days that we won't have it. That's right. But again, never, ever did that impact her joy. And I think what we're trying and her thankfulness. And that's what we're trying to say, that there's a sense where thankfulness is a disposition towards life. Right. It is not a result of the issues that are going on that's, in your life. That's right. And so we're, we're going to actually, you know, the Bible talks this way. In fact, there's a couple verses I want to read and throw your way, see what mm-hmm. you think about mm-hmm. it. But but 1 Thessalonians 5, when it says, you know, pray without ceasing, and then it says, give thanks in all all circumstances. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I was always ticked off by that verse. Mm-hmm. You know, I was. I mean, I was like, you know, pray without ceasing. That means right. never stop and then give it thanks. It took me a long time to understand that. Yeah, because we always do this thing where we think that God has just given us rules to live by. No, no, he's actually saying, here's the disposition of the life mm-hmm. that I've already lived for you, died for you, and give it. now I'm giving it to you. Yeah, because, I, I, you know, whenever you say in all circumstances, like when you talk about a person who's struggling, whether yeah. it's, you know, financially, if they're hungry, or they can't pay the rent, or right. health-wise, or relationship-wise, 
I mean, how can you be thankful in that? You know? Well, because at that moment, you're even looking at what seems like an impossible situation. And there's all kinds of stories in the Bible, you know, mm-hmm. where, where the prophet comes to the house and the woman has nothing to give him. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, I, you know, make this, she makes it. And suddenly there's plenty of flour and there's plenty of oil and it never seems to go mm-hmm. away. And you're starting to say, is that how God treats us? No, God treats us by saying, I'm your abundant source. Always look to me first. Mm -hmm. And so when I read that, I struggle with it. There's no doubt that I struggle Mm -hmm. with it, and all of us struggle with that because we live lives of kind of self-focus and I think thanklessness by nature. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he's saying, look, I need you to refocus your life. I need you to think about things through my eyes for you Mm -hmm. in all things. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a whole different way to think about my life. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, you know, there's that story about when Jesus says, you know, there's 5,000, well, actually, there was more than 5,000 people there. And the disciples are like, Lord, these people are hungry. we got to send them away. They're, they're getting unruly. And Jesus says, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. You yeah. know, and fish and loaves then feed more than 5,000 people. So, You know, I was reading uh, this morning, got up really early, and I saw uh, that this is the anniversary, uh, one-year anniversary of the death of one of my uh, friend's spouses. And, you know, I've watched her over this year, live a very thankful life. <clears throat> and she acknowledged it today about <clears throat> being thankful for the friends that have sustained her and the family that have supported her during this year, past year, for her health, for the things that she's learned that she can do alone, um, for the love that she experienced with her spouse. And, you know, she has been a huge testimony. So sometimes, you know, I, I, I struggle with thinking, like, why do some children suffer so much with hunger? Why do some children suffer so much with bad parents? Why are some children parentless? You know, you think mm-hmm. about all these things, and you think, okay, how can we teach them to be thankful even in circumstances like that? And I look at her, and I, I've been grieving with her. Not I, I cannot relate completely to her experience, but I've been grieving with her. And then I look at the way she's chosen to lean into God and to move forward and to be purposeful and thankful, even in her struggles and suffering. Well, you know, there's a phrase, and I, the phrase always comes to mind because it's at the end of that verse in, in Thessalonians um, where it says, this is God's will for you. And a lot of times we say, well, where, where there's a will, there's a way. And we tend to think of it again that we've got to— I used to hear that all the time. We've got to, you know, <laughs> like pull up ourselves by the bootstraps and we've got to have a will and then there'll be a way. Yeah. I think the Bible turns it around. Where there's a way— there's a will. Mm-hmm. Well, it's his will for you, not mm-hmm. your will for him to get through this thing. He's already said, I've got a will for you. I've actually shown that will. I came at Christmas. I lived your life. I died your death. And I've given you now my life. And now I'm telling you, there is a way through this because mm-hmm. I have that will expressed for you already. Mm-hmm. So I, love, I like to turn that around there, where there's a way. So you're struggling with a way through yeah. this or a way to be thankful. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a will. So focus on his will. Focus mm-hmm. on who he really says you are in him. Mm-hmm. You know. And then the other one I, I love, there's a verse from Philippians where it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, mm-hmm. I say rejoice. And I go, man, Lord, but I had a rotten day today. You mm-hmm. know, Or I'm really faced with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the end of that verse, it says, because the Lord is at hand. Mm-hmm. So you're never alone. There's no such thing as being alone in Christ. Now, think about that for a minute, because a lot of us are live lonely lives and mm-hmm. struggle with loneliness and things sure. like that. But that's because we fail to see that he's already there through his word. He's already right by our side. He's already there in our prayers. He's already there going forward. He's already there behind us. You know, he sends his angels to protect us. All these things are things that we don't focus on. Mm-hmm. And, and once you miss that focus, I think it's, it's easy to live a thankless life. 
Right. So there is value in living a thankful life because in my what I believe is if we are living a thankful life, we're not so much focusing on the things we don't have, but we're able to also, and we're not, because I think focusing on what we don't have does not allow us to look at the needs of others mm-hmm. and to be able to care for others and assist or serve others because we're so self-focused. And so finding that peace and thankfulness and gratitude uh, I think it changes our our lenses and it enables us to see other people and to serve other people and to love other people. Mm-hmm. And we're blinded otherwise. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, you know, it changes your focus. Uh, and once it changes your focus, it changes your ability to face life with a whole different mindset. You know, when Jesus says in Matthew 6, uh, don't worry about your life. Mm-hmm. Now you think about it, what do you mean? Don't worry about my life. I got to pay my bills. I got to pay this. I got to go. You know, don't worry about your life because your father knows you need these things. You know, he clothes the the birds of the air. He takes care of the flowers of the field. Why do you think he's not going to take care of you? That's the first thing. And then it says, seek the kingdom of God first. So if I told you right now you had the kingdom of God, what more do you need to be thankful? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, again, we say, well, thank you for that, Lord, but I also need this. Mm-hmm. And he's flipping it around. He's saying, if you have this, you have everything. Well, I know we don't have a lot of time. We could talk forever about things like we always do. But, um, <laughs> you know, so our producer had sent uh, an article over earlier this morning, which I didn't really get a chance to look at. But it did address some of the different things that we talked about today in this podcast. And it's from The Atlantic. And it's talking about consumerism and consumption uh, mm-hmm. of, you know, just this chasing of consumer products and about how we've actually become more affluent economically. But our happiness factor has gone down. There was a question that came up and it says, you know, one of the possible reasons for that, we talked about it a little bit about marketing, was also, you know, technology today. Mm. You know, it connects us to people, but not necessarily intimately, right? Yeah, it we're, drives us away some ways too. Right. It can drive us away. So, and so we're connected, but for what and to what? Right. And so, you know, it might be worth looking at. Some people can Google that and find it up or maybe, you know. Yeah, technology, you know, it's not going to save us. It's just a means to an end. The question is, what's the end and what's the point? Mm -hmm. And I think, first of all, we have to have purpose in life. We have to have a purpose besides just getting stuff. I mean, there's got to be, and that's where our relationships are so huge and our relationship to God. And if there's purpose and meaning in life, Mm -hmm. that means that there's thankfulness already as part of your life. Mm -hmm. Well, then it allows you to focus on the issues that you're struggling with a whole different way. Mm -hmm. And like you said, our culture has flipped that around and says, well, there's no meaning and purpose in life, because there is no God, there's no this, there's no that, uh, and amass this and amass power and you'll be happy. Well, no, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. And I think that article pointed that out. Right. Yeah, there was another book called Bowling Alone, mm-hmm. where he talked about how television, which was going to save the world back in the day, it actually drove us away from each other. We used mm-hmm. to be people who'd bowl together, we'd be people who would vote together, we'd be people who would have parties on the neighborhood block together, mm-hmm. and as soon as TV came, we started watching, my, my dad used to call it the idiot box. Mm-hmm. We'd watch the idiot box, and then next thing you know, we weren't happy anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, that there's all that marketing again, right, of mm-hmm. what things that we need to obtain to make us happy. So, I mean, I think right now, uh, look around and look at the people that you have in your life and mm-hmm. kind of look at the blessings. Like, look at me right now and just say, oh, Lord, I'm so <laughs> grateful for this woman across the <laughs> I'm just preparing you for Thanksgiving, honey, so you can live a life of thanks living, right? So, so, you know, I just, I I think it's, you know, as we turn towards this time and maybe being with people that maybe make us a little uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. you know, try to find something that's 
positive within that person that maybe you can find something to share and leave a mm-hmm. positive note and have a positive time with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, do we ever think that maybe we rub somebody wrong? Never. 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 But, Never. you know, we have to, you know, just look <laughs> at, at the people that are around us. They're there for a reason. And be thankful. Yeah, and make make this thanks. You know, with all the stuff we've just been through this last year, make this Thanksgiving more than turkey and more than football. I mean, yeah. because it is, you know, if I think back on, on the Thanksgivings that I really cherish, it's because of the, the moments I had with the people I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we better close because we're out okay, of time. Okay. But So remember, there are two kinds of fire in the world. One that burns and consumes. And the one that burns and empowers. May God's word and God's love burn brightly in you, giving you strength to face any fire. Till next time, little embers, I'm Marie. And I'm Greg. See you See soon. You soon. Through the Fire is a production of Family Vision Media.